0: That's a huge misnomer. Well, music and in sports, because you have your instructor, you have your coach, they're like, practice makes perfect, which is perfectly wrong. Proper practice leads to progress. Improper practice can lead to the wrong kind of permanence and can lead to problems. So remember that perfection's the enemy of greatness. And so when we think about focus, the three things that taught me throughout this whole process was it's about purpose, process, and then just progress,
1: like 1% better every day. So the big question is this, how do small business owners like us grow our leadership, develop our teams and scale our business in a way that allows us to get our products and services out to the world, yet still remain profitable? That is the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. I'm Bradley Hamner, and this is the Club Capital Leadership Podcast. Before we get into today's episode, did you know that Club Capital is the largest accounting and advisory firm for insurance agency owners in the country, providing monthly accounting, CFO services, and tax preparation? Check them out at club.capital. Welcome to another episode of the Club Capital Leadership Podcast. My name is Bradley Hamner, your host. On today's episode, we have Eric Qualman. Eric is a five times best selling author and keynote speaker. He's performed in over 55 countries and reached 50 million people. He was voted the second most likable author in the world behind Harry Potter's J.K. Rowling. He's a host of the popular Super U podcast, and his work has been used by the National Guard to NBC Universal, to NASA. I love this conversation with Eric. We span the topic around focus, digital leadership, and of course, we're going to sprinkle in some athletics in there as well. Without further ado, here's my conversation with Eric Qualman. Have you ever tried online marketing before and wasn't sure if it was working? Maybe your rep talked about all the impressive features and stats and said things were going great, but you didn't know how all that tied into raw new policies written. Well, that's not the case with DirectClicks. DirectClicks is the premier Google Ads and SEO option exclusively for State Farm agents. Why? They're 100% percent results oriented with an exclusivity guarantee. Every review call you have with your account manager focuses on what really matters to your business, and that's leads and call-ins received. Everything will get broken down to cost per lead received. By investing with DirectClicks, you're going to free up time and energy to focus on what's most important in your agency and doing what it is you do best. This will be the best investment you make for your team by spending confidently and scaling your agency today with exclusive online marketing partner, DirectClicks. Visit us at directclicksinc.com. Ambition is the first step towards success. It's time to level up your agency. Sign up at coachpeaconsulting.com and get your first full month for free when you mention the Club Capital Leadership Podcast. Eric Qualman, welcome to the Club Capital Leadership Podcast. Bill, thanks for having me here, Bradley. Excited to have you. So we always start with background and origin story. So for people that don't know you, I know you've been obviously speaking to a lot of groups. For People may be familiar and have heard you speak recently. For people that don't know your story, why don't you tell them a little bit about your background origin story, what you do now, and how you got to where you are.
0: Yeah. So I grew up in Detroit. Like a lot of kids, I started working in the automotive business. And as an intern, they actually had these things that they needed. I was working with Cadillac. And it's crazy to think about now. But as an intern, all of a sudden, they needed websites. And so they said, we need a website. We don't know what this is. But you're young. You seem to like this stuff. I don't know if they used the word tech back then. But hey, can you get us a website? And I loved it. I loved it. So I was in the, been in the tech space now 30 years and starting at a very early age and worked at Yahoo back in the day when they were kind of the Facebook of the day, was the head of marketing at TravelZoo. We took that company from private to public, but I loved all things digital before it was cool to say that you're in digital. And now you almost can get rid of the word digital because almost everything is digital. So in time, they'll actually get rid of that word. It'll just not be digital leadership, but leadership. But about 11 years ago, I wrote a book called Socialnomics, basically just telling people, hey, you don't understand. This isn't just for teenagers. This MySpace thing is OK, but Facebook's probably going to be bigger because it's growing organically through the Ivy Leagues. But you need to be aware of this social media because it's going to change the way we live and communicate. And it's going to change the way we vote, even for presidents of countries. It's going to change the way we do business. And so that was the right book at the right time. And so, for the past 11 years, I've now written six books and I've been able to travel to 55 countries and reach 50 million people, primarily talking about topics like digital leadership or what happens in Vegas days on YouTube or how to sell on LinkedIn. Or my latest book is The Focus Project. How do we focus in a world that's gone virtual due to COVID? Like, how do we focus in this unfocused world? So that's primarily what I do. I like to entertain, educate, and empower people to their best life. So it's such an honor to be with you here today. And hopefully, my hope is that your audience gets one thing they can use, not only today, but hopefully 10
1: years down the road. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I want you to tell the story for us to get started before we hit record. You and I spent several minutes talking about college football, but a lot of people get their teeth kicked out playing college football and hockey. Can you tell that story about how you got your teeth kicked out and why that was such an important moment for you?
0: Yeah, it's a weird thing to say, but I always tell people, especially my daughters, I tell them, you know, one of the best things in life that ever happened for me was getting my teeth kicked in, my teeth literally knocked out. So I went to Michigan State University. I loved basketball. Growing up, I loved it. I even had a magazine early on in eighth grade, Entrepreneurial Spirit, I had started a Swish Magazine in middle school. So loved it, loved it, loved it. But for a lot of reasons, just as a junior, I didn't make the varsity basketball team in high school. So I'm thinking this dream is dead. I go to Michigan State. When I get there as a freshman, we're ranked number one in the country, the basketball team. And I go, you know what? I just want to get involved. However it is, I want to get involved. So Michigan State is so competitive that you actually have to try out to be the water boy. They call them managers, but you have to try out to be the manager. So I have to literally try out to be the water boy. Fortunately, make it through that cut, so to speak. And I'm the water boy for several years, But the dream is still in my mind that, gosh, that dream to play college basketball. Again, I was cut as a junior from my high school team. Occasionally, at the time, we'd carry about 13 players. And so occasionally people injured or sick. So this would probably happen once or twice a year. They'd have to have me, I was the best manager at playing basketball, jump into practice. Now, keep in mind, I've been playing every night for about an hour and a half with coach Izzo just against him just for fun to keep him in shape keep me in shape and so I'm like this is my moment this is my moment to shine and it was one of those days where I couldn't miss the ball was just rolling to my hand I go oh my gosh they're gonna see that I should be on the team and honestly I probably should have tried out the year before because I could see who was on the team and I was better than probably the last two players, but I just didn't have the confidence or I didn't want to step into that discomfort. I wasn't willing to kind of put myself out there. And so here we are a couple months removed and I'm in this practice. Everything's going gloriously. And then disaster strikes. I was going up for a rebound and then an elbow just caught me in just the right way. Matt Stegging, his elbow just caught me just the right way. And I felt something dislodge in my teeth. Now, I was born with two teeth missing. So I had a fake tooth that was a spacer, what they call a spacer, because I was missing two teeth from birth. And so to make it align properly, I'd had a fake tooth in my mouth most of my life. So I thought it was this fake tooth because I could feel it. I kind of spit that out and then just kind of put it on the side of the court because at the time it was HIV awareness, you know, magic went to Michigan State. So any blood is an issue at this point in time so i don't want to ruin my moment so i'm trying to keep this to myself and keep playing so i keep playing for 20 minutes but at a timeout, the trainer comes over and he goes i gotta need to look at your mouth it looks like you still have some blood kind of coming out of there and he looks in there and he finds another player found a couple teeth like real teeth on the side of the court and so he's like you gotta go to the dentist in the whole way to the dentist i'm less concerned about the pain and more concerned about, I cannot believe this just happened to me. In my moment, what bad luck that this happened to me. And then only looking back that can I realize that this actually happened for me. The next day at practice, Coach Izzo said, now, Qualman, I don't know if you're the dumbest guy I know or the toughest guy I know, but I think it's somewhere in the middle. And now only with time can I look back and realize that the next year, you know, I made the team. I was able to walk on and get a scholarship. But Izzo, who's in the Hall of Fame, for those that don't know him, Coach Tom Izzo, he's built the whole program around grit and grind. And so only looking back could I realize that that actually was the best thing that could have happened to me, that he saw that I kept playing through kind of that pain that I just kind of kept going through. And that's what he wanted on the team. And so fortunately, I kept working at obviously shooting and dribbling and rebounding, but was fortunate to make the team the next year and get that scholarship. But I now realize that that was the best thing to happen for me, not to me. And so I tell audiences, you know, in the moment, you're going to think, I can't believe this thing just happened to me. But you've got to flip that mindset and go, I don't know why this is happening to me, but I know it's happening for me. I can't see it yet, but I know this is happening for me. And I think this is very relevant, especially what we've lived through the last two years with all the challenges. And in some cases, for some folks, even death that's closely related to you. It's trying to figure out how is
1: this happening for me? I love that. We started talking about college football, but I too am a huge basketball fan. And for our listeners, I digress for just a second, but Josh Langford is from my neck of the woods. And uh, I watched Josh play several high school basketball games. One of my good friends is friends with his family. And so he had a great career at Michigan State and is still doing some things I know with the school, I keep up with him on social media. So he's from my neck of the woods too, and he's a really good kid.
0: No, really good kid. And another shining example of things hopefully happening for Josh because he had a series. He was, I think, the four-time player of the year in Georgia, which is crazy to think about. So he's a McDonald's All-American, gets to Michigan State, phenomenal player, and then he just has a series of foot injuries. And so he was never able to, but he stuck with it. And then he had a great year last year, just fighting through all that adversity where he literally sat out for two years, but he's able to earn his master's degree. And just through that, he's got a great relationship with God. And so if you're able to follow Josh Langford, he's just a great shining example of what I just spoke
1: about. Yeah, he really is. I want to the story it's around basketball but it makes its way over to leadership and kind of digital leadership and so are you familiar with the guy who was at the time the all-time winningest basketball coach in history now coach k has surpassed him but many people unless you follow basketball closely wouldn't know this name but don meyer don mayer who was the coach at lipscomb for i mean goodness gracious i like 50 years or something like that are you familiar with him i'm familiar with him i don't know him personally but yes so he was really big on leadership and leadership principles. I mean, that's one of the things he not just was a phenomenal basketball coach, but he really instilled leadership discipline. In him. I mean, he was a avid learner of just leadership in general and applied that to basketball. And I do think, by the way, it's no small thing that basketball coaches John Wooden, Coach K, so many others, Phil Jackson, have are all people who adopt this leadership mindset because of the way the game of basketball is played, in my opinion. Well, Don was famous for this idea of the foxhole leadership. So at the beginning of the year, he would get all of his team together and he would ask the team mates to say who they would love to have in their foxhole. And basically they rated their teammates based on their teammates ability to lead not just score, but protect the team, et cetera. And so they would ultimately he built this and give one person who was like the leader of the team, but voted on by the rest of their teammates. Does that make sense? And so he called it basically foxhole leadership. And so it made me just kind of think about, because we were talking about basketball, how do you think that leadership has changed an era with so much digital transformation over the last 10 years?
0: No, it's a great question. I love you brought up John Wooden because check out his stuff for all your listeners out there, Pyramid of Success. And one of his quotes that I love from John Wooden too, one that's basketball related, but it's actually true of life is be quick, but not in a hurry. So be quick, but not in a hurry. which I like to say is be patient, be persistent in the short term, but patient in the long term. So when it comes to insurance, business, persistent in the short term, patient in the long term. Another quote from John Wooden, who's a winner, basically, he span of 12 years, won 10 national titles, which will never happen again. Although Nick Saban's sorry, Nick Saban's trying to do that. But if you look at it, he's make every day your masterpiece. Like every day you wake up, make every day your masterpiece. But to your question, how has leadership changed? That's what I wanted to uncover in one of my books, which is Digital Leader. I wanted to, I'm a huge Dale Carnegie guy. So if you haven't read his books, two most popular, Stop Worrying and Start Living, and also How to Win Friends and Influence People, is what would a digital Dale Carnegie look like today? Mm -hmm. And so I wanted to look at what were the core principles and what shifted. The good news is 80% of leadership stands the test of time, right? 80% 80% is the same. Then you have this 20% that's layered in that's different in a digital world. So what would an example of that look like? So it's interesting. If you look at most organizations, historically, they would check in with their employees probably once a year. Some, if they're good, would check in four times a year at quarters. They check in once a year basically because they've got their salary, how they raise a salaries based on these annual reviews. So essentially you're checking in with your most important asset, your people just once a year, which is crazy. So now in digital leadership, the big change, especially with the younger generations, is you have to, especially now that we've gone primarily hybrid or virtual due to the pandemic, and we we're kind of going to go there anyways, but it got hyper accelerated because of the pandemic, is that you need to check in more often, but also at a deeper level. So what does that mean? most of us would ask how are you doing fine that's going to be your answer just like most of us are people pleasers you had a restaurant the server comes over and asks how's your food and even if it's terrible most of the time you're gonna say we're good it's okay it's fine you're not going to start listing out what's wrong with the food it's just we're in general people pleasers so most of the time people ask us how are you doing good but you need to ask your teammates or if they work for you or if they're whatever your friends, your peers, you need to ask them more, how are you doing on a scale of one to 10? And you can't say 10 because no one's perfect. And so when they come back and give you an answer, then the follow-up to that is, let's say they go, I'm a six. Then you say, how do we get you to a 10? Now you're getting deeper into that relationship. You're checking in more as a leader. And You should even bifurcate, split those two up. So even as you get more comfortable and obviously check with HR to make sure this is compliant, but it's really, you should ask high level, how are you doing in life one to 10? And how are you doing at fill in the blank X, Y, Z, whether it's State Farm, Allstate for us, it's how are you doing at Equal Man Studios? Because historically I might ask Susan on our team, how are you doing on a scale of one to 10? And she says, I'm a three. All of a sudden I go, Oh my gosh, Susan's our best teammate. What are we doing? Like, she might leave, and I start making up all these scenarios, but I don't have any context. And so now I can ask, How are you doing in life? One to 10. She goes, A three. How are you doing at Equal Man Studios? I'm an eight. Okay, boom. I know it's not Equal Man Studios. And if you're comfortable, and again, complying with HR, now I can dig into, All right, you're a three in life. Let's unpack that. Let's figure out. How do we get you to a ten or at least get you to a six? Like what's going on? Because if you're not whole at home, you're not going to be whole at work and vice versa. If you're not whole at work, you're not going to be whole at home. So I'm not a big fan of work life balance. I'm a big fan of work life harmony. I think work life balance sets you up for failure where work life harmony, more that integration is more important. So in short, that's what we wanted to look at for that one book was digital leader is what are the shifts? Just the question you're asking. What still stays the same? Good news, 80%. But what shifts, and I just wanted to give you a specific example, is one of the shifts is just checking in more, not only with yourself, but also obviously with your teammates, but more at a detailed level so you can actually get actionable feedback so you can actually help them. So you're asking them, how are you doing 1 to 10? You can't be a 10. They say 9.999. All right, how do we get you to a 10?
1: I love that so much that you brought something kind of from high level to eye level and gave a specific example around that. I think that was fantastic. And I also love we're not looking for balance. We're looking for harmony. That's the best word that I've heard used to describe that. So I think it's a really good transition from that topic into focus. As I was preparing for our conversation, I was looking at all of the tech surrounding me. I've got an iPad, my phone, an Apple Watch, my computer, all of these communication apps and other things. I mean, it's incredible how much that they have helped to organize different things, but there's a downside to it as well. Do people recognize your agency brand? More importantly, do people care about your brand? At Relevant Marketing Solutions, we partner with you to clarify your message and deliver it through multiple marketing channels, creating a brand that inspires. With over 10 years of experience working with insurance agencies, our team can help your agency not only get noticed, but start cultivating brand champions. From creating a logo to putting it on a coffee mug, we are your one-stop shop for all things marketing. We can even produce a video of you drinking out of your cool new mug. Visit us at relevantadvantage.com to learn more. And if you're a state farm agent, you can also find us at sfagentpromos.com and be sure to enter Club Capital at checkout for a special discount. That's Club Capital, lowercase and no spaces at checkout for a special discount. Relevant marketing solutions, helping you cultivate brand champions. What was first the impetus for you to come out with that book, The Focus Project? So The Focus Project,
0: most of my projects, so to speak, or books or podcasts always starts with an audience of one, which is me. So that if I identify a gap in my life, then I start to assume that others have that gap. But then I also follow up and start asking everyone. I know, unfortunately, normally I'm exposed to a lot of people because of most of what I do is speak around the world on stage or virtual or both. And so I'll start asking people, what's your key to success? And most successful people will respond, well, I'm better focusing than most on the big things. And I go, what's the biggest thing that you struggle with? And their answer is, well, it's the other side of that coin is that I struggle with maintaining focus. It's a constant battle. And I wanted to like jump out and go, that's me. You know, that's me. I struggle with that every day. And so as I talk to school teachers, to CEOs, to superintendents, to stay at home moms and dads, everyone's wrestling with the same thing. And then you threw gasoline on the fire once COVID hit Mm -hmm. with how do I focus in this unfocused world? So here I am. I've worked in big companies, you know, fortune 100 companies. I've worked at small businesses that we went private to public. And then now I have my own small company, small business. And so I go, well, I own the company. Why am I waking up every morning or really at night? I go to sleep, my hair's on fire. And I go, what is going on? Like, I control if I'm wrestling with this and I'm the owner of the company, everyone must be wrestled with this because I'm supposedly, how's this happening to me? I'm supposed to be kind of controlling what I can control. And so that was the whole impetus for the focus project and so I took a year is actually two years because the first year was a bunch of false starts so I failed five times because I identified I go oh my gosh I started getting excited at night I go what if I just focused on one thing for the month mm-hmm. so I started to write down I got so excited like okay this month I'm gonna focus on organizing everything physical in the house I just want everything physically organized and so many listeners out there could identify With me to where I'm the type of person that I would love if the refrigerator, when I opened it, all the sparkling waters, the label was facing me. Like it's all that organized. Yet my fridge wasn't like that, or down the line, whatever you want to say for your organization. And so I started getting excited, or what if I just focus from a business standpoint on sales? Like that was my focus when I woke up that I was actually able to sell. It took me a long time to realize that actually all of us are in sales. Like I used to think, well, I write the book. I just do the work. No, no. Your job is to actually sell that work. Or it might be your nonprofit and you're trying to convince someone to come work and make peanut butter and jelly sandwiches that weekend. You're in sales. Or you're a parent trying to teach your kids to eat their vegetables. You're in sales. And when you look at it, people that are really good at sales are actually kids are really good at sales because my daughters, they'll be asking me, hey, daddy, can I have ice cream? I'm like, no. No. And they'll ask me 50 times, they're like, no, no, no. And then guess what, 20 minutes later, they're looking at that ice cream cone. Mm -hmm. And so when it came to the Focus Project itself, I start off with two hours a day, but in reality, even today, it's really 30 minutes. So I don't want you to get overwhelmed, those listeners. But if you can carve out 30 minutes a day, start off with identifying what's the one thing that if I do it well, makes everything else either easier or unnecessary. For most of us, it's going to be growth. That's why the first chapter is growth. You can call it sales. I like to call it growth. So it depends on what's that one block that you can't have fail that gives you kind of the liberty to do something like this. And so for me, it was, okay, I've got to just do a half hour a day to reach out. If we can do this one thing well, it'll make everything else either easier or unnecessary. The one thing for us is for me to speak physically on stage. That's the way I can reach more people. I can entertain, educate, empower more people, starting with me being on stage. And so that's reaching out to conferences, reaching out to Fortune 500 companies that we know, reaching out to small businesses, whoever needs that type of person. And so a lot of false starts. So literally, I'm sitting here going, all right, I want to do two hours a day on this outreach when I get up. And at the end of the month, I did 18 minutes for the month. And that happened five times because the gravitational pull of life was pulling at me. I was going after the immediate, the urgent rather than the important. And then finally, it clicked on basically the sixth try. And I was able to do that for a month. And I also wanted to do something that I could track. Because if it didn't work, then I wasn't going to do it again. I wasn't going to do this focus. But the good news is, spoiler alert for anyone that's going to read the book, is that not only do we have a record month just by doing that, 30 minutes to two hours. Again, for you, I would just suggest 30 minutes, a record month. But it set us up. We actually had a record year. We booked enough in that month for the entire year to have a record year. That's how powerful this focus is. And then that afforded me the opportunity to go down the line to where one month it was friends and family. Like, how do I be present? How do I have coffees and lunches with friends and family? And so it was a wonderful experience, and I still try to practice it today. But know that every day I tell people, I'm not an expert on this. I'm not perfect at it. I'm struggling with it every day. That's why I wrote it. I was the guinea pig. I was pulling some science and research and marrying it with what I call the street science, me actually trying this stuff out. So you could see someone just go through it, just like you would or are going to do. And so that was the impetus for the project. And it's really just, how do I focus
1: in this unfocused world? Oftentimes your mess becomes your message and the thing that you solve for yourself is the thing that you're able to help other people with. So I completely agree with that. I mean, I love helping others with the develop the business skills, not necessarily their professional skills, their profession, whatever that may be, but the business skills, because that was the problem I solved for myself. I just didn't understand how to run the business end of business whenever I, I first started out, even though my dad's a small business owner. I went to school and got a business degree. You would think I would have all these reasons to know that, but I didn't. And ultimately, that was the problem I needed to solve myself is how do I run the business end of the business? So I love that. One thing, whenever you were talking about, no pun intended, the one thing, when you're talking about what's the one thing I can do to make everything easier or unnecessary, it made me think about the book, The One Thing Written by, I can't recall his name. That's a great book. Have you ever yeah. read book?
0: Oh, they're great. Yeah. Gary Keller and Jay Papasan. So I live in Austin. They live here. Jay is great. And so that is a must read. The One Thing by Jay Papasan and Gary Keller of Keller Realty. They both work at Keller Realty. So it will be very applicable for what you folks do as well. But it's The One Thing. So that's stressed throughout the book. What's the one thing that if I do it well, it makes everything else either easier or unnecessary? I'm going to put you on the spot, Bradley. I'm going to put you on the spot. <laughs>
1: Let's do it. I'm good. What's your one thing? For this coming year? At the time we're recording this, it's at the end of 2021. So for 2022, what am one thing for this month? Either one, whatever's easiest. Lead gen, that's the one thing I'm focused on right now. That's the biggest obstacle and problem that I need to solve across my businesses, but it's lead generation, yep.
0: Yep, yeah, growth, I mean, that's great. And then it's interesting because I often ask the question, which a lot of people do, but I ask this question of a lot of people that's sort of related to what we're talking about is I ask them, all right, you just won $10 billion. After you're done traveling, setting up your nonprofit, what it is, what are you gonna do? What do you wanna do? What Mm -hmm. do you want to do? And literally most people cannot answer that question. And so you need to know that answer because you have to have that vision of where you wanna go. You're not gonna get there unless you have that vision. Mm -hmm. And so it's really, if I were to give you that Willy Wonka golden ticket, Most people actually wouldn't even know what to do with it. And so that is a key component of focus, is always going back to Simon Sinek's why, you know, what's your why? And so that's key and that's core. And so that's the learning because people ask me, what did you learn from writing the book? Because there's really two reasons to write a book it's to either change yourself or change the world. And sometimes if you do it well, you do both. And so reflecting back at the book to keep it easy, I remember basically it taught me the three Ps, it taught me three things, three Ps. One, to achieve anything in life, you always have to start with the purpose. Like what's the key purpose of this? For example, my wife is from Colombia, so for a long time, like I wanna learn Spanish. But when you change that want to a must, the purpose of that, I wanna learn Spanish because if we happen to be in Colombia and are in a tough situation, and I don't speak Spanish, at the far extreme level, this is kind of crazy to think this way, but you know, it might cost my daughters their life if I don't speak that language. Or at a day-to-day level, is my wife tries to speak Spanish only in the home of the daughters. If I don't learn Spanish, then they might not adopt and learn that second language. So I'm not being the best dad that I could be. And so that's the P purpose. The second P is really about process. So the people that are really good at focus, when I talk to these very modern society would deem successful people, is that I ask them that it's focus, that they're really good at focus, but they're not born with that inherently. And why are they better at it? Because they have systems and processes. They don't rely on willpower. And one of those things that jumps out for most successful people is they're better at saying no. They say no to almost everything so they can say yes to the big opportunities. So... It's about processes and systems, not relying on willpower. So it's the first one is really purpose. The second one is about a process. And then last but not least, it's about progress, not perfection. Perfection's the flypaper of progress. And so it's really about progress because we're talking about sports. We're both big sports guys. That's a huge misnomer. Well, music and in sports, because you have your instructor, you have your coach, they're like, practice makes perfect, which is perfectly wrong. Proper practice leads to progress. Improper practice can lead to the wrong kind of permanence and can lead to problems. So remember that perfection's the enemy of greatness. Mm-hmm. And so when we think about focus, the three things that taught me throughout this whole process was it's about purpose, process, and then just progress, like 1% better every day.
1: I love that. You know, for my consulting company, like our purpose is to make a difference. And so everything that we do, like as a team to live that out about like, okay, well, what does that actually look like to make a difference? When Steve Jobs said that, go out and make a dent in the universe. I mean, that's kind of how we've interpreted that, that ultimately we want to be able to grow and develop so that we can contribute to others. And we do that by finding ways, creative ways to make a difference. Like, Somebody joins our program, we make a donation to an entrepreneurial underprivileged people who don't have entrepreneurial opportunities, et cetera. When we do a workshop, we make a donation to a great charity like Operation Underground Railroad, et cetera, things like that. And so I was trying to think back on your question too about what is my one thing. I don't know if it was in the context of the, like, that's the one thing for me is that I want to be able to make a difference. I want to ultimately through even this podcast and other things that we do to positively impact the lives of small business owners. Because I just don't think it's governments and I don't think it's big companies that are gonna make a difference in the universe, right? I don't think they're gonna make a difference. I think it's small business owners like us, like you, that are going out and positively trying to impact people's lives in what we call make a difference. Does that make sense?
0: No, it makes all the sense in the world. And I love it. Some things when I'm having a challenging day and you're comparing yourself to the Joneses, You can look at someone that's super famous, let's say Prince, because most people know who Prince is, the musician, is if you look out Prince 30 years from now, is the general public going to remember him? No. Just like if I asked you who won the last five MVP awards in the NFL, and you're a huge sports guy. You're probably going to be able to name those off. Hmm. But it's about who do you have an impact on that is going to stand the test of time. You know, the ones that come up first are your kids are definitely going to, Remember you 30 years from now and their grandkids, or also the people in your community. If you're helping them out, if you're giving to a teammate, if it's a client that you've worked with for years, and you just made their life better. It's like that's the impact. And so you're spot on that it's really just about sometimes pausing when it can be overwhelming. You compare yourself, that's the modern day sin as we compare ourselves to other people. When it's just if you're kind of able to just stay in your lane. Be firm in your destination, but flexible. It's interesting you brought up Steve Jobs. So this is interesting because he's far from a perfect person. And he's a good example from a business side, but not to get too deep in the weeds, maybe not on the family side. But let's just look at him from a business perspective, because I think this is important when it comes to focus. You mentioned his goal in life was to put a dent in the universe. Absolutely true. So it's about being firm in your destination flexible in your path. At the age of 30, he is fired by the board of Apple, fired from the company he started. It's a crazy world we live in. So he's fired from the company he starts. He's not happy about it. He goes and starts Next Computers and then also becomes the CEO of Pixar, which is crazy to think about. He's the CEO of Pixar. But he's the CEO of Pixar. And then after three failed CEOs, Apple's in dire straights. And the board goes, we got to roll the dice. We got nothing to lose. Let's bring Steve back so steve comes back to lead apple he's a much better leader because of his time at pixar and also they use some of the software they developed at next computers his company to put in the new macbooks and so at the time of his death he reaches that firm destination he puts that dent in the universe had the largest market cap of any company in the world at the time of his death and then arguably both good and also bad that with the invention of the iphone he's probably changed our behavior more than anyone And so it's really about being firm in your destination, flexible in your path, knowing that those challenges are there. It's not going to be linear to get to our goals, that those challenges are there for a reason, kind of going back to where we started with getting my teeth knocked out, is that really taking that approach of, okay, this challenge is here for me to go around, not to stop me, and to get me back to center. And it's going to make me better. I don't know how I can see that today, but these hurdles are actually there to keep the competition out, not me. They're there to kind of make me better. And so it's obviously very hard to do that in the day-to-day to to see that, but it's also helps kind of keep our sanity and keep us more in that positive framework, knowing that we're going to have those bad days, but just kind of as
1: much as possible, limit the amount of bad days throughout that year. And I have so much I want to say to that. First of all, have you read the book on Steve Jobs, not the biography of him written by Walter Isaacson, but the other book, Becoming Steve Jobs? I haven't, so I'd love to hear it, but I have read the one by Walter. Okay, so I've read both. And the one that is becoming Steve Jobs, for all of our listeners, please read that book. It is so much better than Isaacson's book because ultimately, as the title suggests, it focuses on the time that when he left Apple and when he came back during that 10-year period of time. Oh, that'd be great. Who he became, like how he changed into, I wish I could remember the subtitle, but like how he became the visionary leader of Apple, because obviously the stories about he was a jerk and all those other things. Yes, while true, absolutely. Sometimes that gets embellished a little bit and a little too much over the top, and that becomes the focus as opposed to, well, how did he mellow and soften between the time that he was first at Apple? And you're right. He recruited the guy who ultimately fired him. Like he was in New York and the guy was the CEO of Pepsi at the time. Yeah, And he convinced him. I think he gave him a $300,000 salary, turned it down. He ended up giving him a million plus all these stock options and all this stuff to get him to come. And it was that guy who ended up actually going to the board and getting Steve fired just a few years later, which is a crazy story. And then obviously, so it's amazing. But that book is absolutely fantastic because you're so right about like, Who he became and how he ultimately became the visionary so that he could live out what he wanted to do, which was to make the universe. The second thing is when you mentioned about just kind of giving the example of making a difference. Have you heard the story of Alfred uh, Nobel of the Nobel Peace Prize where that came about?
0: Yeah. We cover it actually in the focus project. So you're talking about how he read his obituary? Yes. Yes. Yeah. That's crazy. That's actually in the first several pages of. The focus project so thank you for bringing that up well then so. you tell
1: it you tell the story because i think this is incredible story i think it's a great way to kind of end the podcast too but when you were talking about the three p's and purpose and how his purpose totally changed once you tell that story i think it's amazing
0: yeah let me get into that quickly to wrap up the jobs thing too is that he had there's signs that he became a better leader because literally he is quoted several times that apple will never make a phone And so the phone was driven by other people on his team. And so he had to have changed when he came back, becoming Steve Jobs, to actually finally listen to the team around him. And they eventually made the phone. But with Alfred Nobel, it's very interesting because obviously he's in Scandinavia and he wakes up and he has a brother who passes away. But they erroneously write about Alfred's the one that passed and the article gets it messed up that he is dead so to have that gift we call it in the book gift to read your own obituary and it is a gift to where he's reading and it's like his legacy is going to be he also invented so alfred nobel was a very successful business person and one of the things he invented was dynamite so the legacy was basically how he developed and dynamite's used to help construction it's used to help all these things obviously like helps you make a tunnel So a lot of good things, but just like if you think about a a phone or a scalpel, a scalpel can help save a life, but if put in the wrong hands, it can take a life. But the obituary is basically saying the dynamite king, the king of death. I don't have the exact thing in front of me, but whatever the phrase was, is like the king of death dies. Basically, his legacy is he invented this horrible dynamite. But that woke him up and he realized that's not what I want my legacy to be. And so he immediately used his influence and his money to help eventually establish the prizes, the Nobel Prizes. There's a bunch of them, but everyone's very familiar with the Nobel Peace Prize. And so he established So he completely changed his legacy. He was given that gift to be able to change his legacy. And that's what the whole Focus Project was about. That's why we listed in there is, are you getting 1% better every day? Are you able to focus on the important, not the immediate? And understanding that every day, I kind of rank my days plus one, minus one, plus two, minus two, plus three, minus three. They're never neutral. Throughout the day, are you present enough to stop and pause and go, man, I'm going to a negative one. Can I flip this to a plus one? And there's some days you're just not going to flip it. That's okay. you got to give yourself some grace. It's that progress, not perfection. Mm-hmm. And so are you able to focus on basically big versus the busy which is very, very hard to do in our virtual world, which is very, very hard to do with the bings and the buzzes around us. But can you focus on the big versus the busy? And can you focus beyond yourself? And when you do that, that type of focus ultimately leads to your fulfillment.
1: I love it. It's been a great conversation. I can't believe we've gone about 45 minutes, almost an hour now. I feel like we've been chatting for 10 or 15 minutes. We'll have to have you back on in the future. All right, we're gonna get into rapid fire questions real quick, but before we do that, I know people are going to want to reach out, pick up some of your books, learn more about you. What's the best place for them to go, Eric?
0: Yeah, hopefully it's easy to remember. It's a whole other story, too. So we definitely have to chat again. But my name's Eric Qualman. So the first initial last name forms Equal Man. So it sounds like a superhero. Equal Man. But I'm Equal Man across the board. So very easy to reach out to. If I can help you in any way, please let me know.
1: Last book that you read.
0: I'm reading The Winter Garden right now by Kristen Hanna, who also writes The Four Winds and The Nightingale. So I like to rest my mind at night with fiction, but more historical fiction. So it's called The Winter Garden. I love everything she writes. She's amazing.
1: The book you would recommend the most to other business owners?
0: I'm a big Dale Carnegie guy, but it's not the book you'd think. His most popular book is How to Win Friends and Influence People, but it's Stop Worrying and Start Living. And it's written in the 30s, but it's still applicable today. Also, I'm going to give you, you got me too excited. So Jay Papasan, the one thing we talked about, that's a must read. Adam Grant's Give and
1: Take. Oh yeah, Give and Take is a really good one. Are you a fan of Napoleon Hill too? Yeah. Yeah, Napoleon Hill's great. Outwitting the Devil is actually a really good book. On Audible.
0: Get in on Audible. What's your favorite quote? If you can dream it, you can do it. You know who said that? No. Walt Disney. If you can dream it, you can do it. If there was a movie made about your life,
1: who would you want to play you in the movie?
0: Gosh. (laughs) A lot of people say I look like the guy in Scream, which I don't think that's flattering, but I don't really know what the guy looks like to be honest, but man, it'd be cool. I'm an Austin guy. So Matthew McConaughey. All right. Yeah. All right. All right. And uh, his book's awesome. Green Lights. I haven't listened to the audio version. I should have. I heard it's amazing. The audible version. I kind of thought you would say
1: McConaughey because of your Austin. <laughs> connection. Okay. Your favorite tech tool or app that you use every day.
0: Duolingo, language learning app, trying to learn Spanish, a free app, Duolingo. Guy that made that actually is the guy that made Captcha, that terrible when you're trying to sign in and want you to be human. And so he didn't want that to be his legacy. So again, circling back to our story about Alfred Nobel, is his name eludes me, but the guy that invented Captcha, he goes, I don't want to be the guy that everyone hated. So he started Duolingo, language learning app. It's a tool that's free premiere you can pay
1: for but there's a lot of free tools on duolingo all right you can sit next to anyone dead or alive on a 10-hour flight who would it be
0: gotta go jesus gotta find out
1: love it fill in the blank 10 years ago you had no idea this would be so hard
0: parenting but it's the most fulfilling too i mean i'm so blessed i love it i love parenting it's so rewarding
1: what is the thing that you learned the most about yourself during the pandemic?
0: I need to slow down in a good way that the focus project, the book I wrote, I read a lot just because just to remind me, hey, it's a gift every day. And are you going to unwrap it?
1: Last question. What is the best piece of leadership advice you've ever received?
0: Best advice I ever received was a couple. Whether you think you can do it or you can't is true. So it's all your mindset. Whether you think you can or whether you think you can't, you're right. So that was key. And then also key is if you want to go fast, do it yourself. But if you want to go far, you got to do it with a lot of people, a lot Um, of good people. Yes. And a lot of people talk about your salaries, the average of the six people you surround yourself with. But more importantly, you are the average in a good way of the six people you surround yourself with.
1: Eric, this has been a great conversation. I've loved chatting with you. I hope to have you back on in the future.
0: No, this is amazing. I love some of the items that you mentioned that I hadn't heard. Your mess becomes your message. Taking it from a high level to an eye level. So I love what you're doing. So thanks for having me on. It's been such an honor.
1: What a great conversation with Eric. I could talk to him for hours on end, just sometimes when the conversation flows really naturally. A few things really stood out to me. Obviously, at the tail end, we talked about the three piece: purpose, progress, and process. Purpose, progress, not perfection, and process. Second thing really stood out to me is the one thing when we were discussing around focus. What's the one thing I could do that would make everything easier? or unnecessary. And has he mentioned the book, The One Thing Is a Fantastic Book. If you've not read that, highly recommend you pick that up. Also like whenever he was walking through the check-in about how are you doing on a scale of one to ten? And then whenever he gave the example of breaking that down of in the business and then in your personal life, I thought that that was a really great check in. I think I'm going to implement that across my companies. And last thing, whenever he talked about his teeth getting kicked in and that story all around basketball, is this happening to me or is this happening for me, I love that. Eric was great. Hope to have him back on in the future. Make sure you go and check him out on his website, pick up several of his books. I know that it will help you and to be able help you to grow your leadership, develop your team, and scale your business. Hey, as always, we want to give a big shout out to our podcast sponsors. If it wasn't for them, we would be able to bring amazing guests like Eric on and provide quality guests that are going to help you to be able to grow your business each and every week. Make sure you go to direct clicks, direct clicks, INC. Dot com. They can help you with your SEO or your pay-per-click. Work with the best to help you to level up this year. That's Coach P. Go to CoachPconsulting.com. And you know you want to stand out. If you've not seen Eric, he wears these bright neon green glasses. That helps him to really have a brand around himself and to stand out. And if you want to stand out from the crowd, use relevant advantage. Go to relevant advantage.com. Com. They can help you to create some amazing promotional material better than anybody that you could work with. They've worked with thousands of insurance agency owners and different business owners. We use them personally. They're amazing. The team gives you a personalized approach to help figure out what's going to be best for you in your marketplace. And of course, we wouldn't be able to do this if it wasn't for our amazing partners at Club Capital. Go to club.capital today, book your no-obligation demo. Let's make 2022 your best year yet so you can use your financials, those lagging indicators that are so important to make better decisions so you can have 2022 to be your best year and your most profitable year yet. As always, everyone, thanks so much for listening. Thanks for sharing. Until next week, until next episode, lead well.